His presence is here. I want to encourage you this morning, God responds to hunger. He responds to a hungry people. He loves you this morning. Amen? He loves you this morning. And I agree with uh, when Bryden spoke out this morning, but angels being in this place, there's an angelic presence already in this place. And if you're here and you're watching online, I want to welcome you this morning. We're believing that the presence of God would not just reside in this place, but it would too touch you um, online this morning. If you're hungry, get hungry, get ready in your heart. I'm believing this morning that God has given me a word and that He's going to break drought over people's lives this morning. This morning, we're going to believe for the rain to come, the rain to come where you've reached out and you've believed for a breakthrough and it hasn't come yet. Where you've had a word from God, but there's been a delay. This morning, we're going to believe for a release this morning. Today, we don't worship angels, but we love their presence and we celebrate their presence. We worship the King alongside them. And so today, by faith in Jesus Christ, I release angels with healing in their wings in this place. If you're here today and you need a miracle, you need a miracle in your life, the presence of God is here. Come on, get hungry this morning. Wherever you are, He says, they that hunger and thirst, they're the ones, He says, I'm gonna fill you today. Do you believe it this morning? One of my prayers over the last few weeks is God, shake us awake. God, shake us out of our slumber this morning. His Word is powerful. You know, in Psalm 29, it says this, that the voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is so powerful that it can split a cedar and it can shake the forest. Today, we need the voice of the Lord over our lives. You know, one word from Him, one word from Jesus Christ can shift your whole destiny. Amen? It doesn't matter what the crowd say. It doesn't even matter what your church friends say. Come on. It doesn't matter what popular opinion says. What matters is what my King says. All that matters today is my King. I'm so hungry today. I'm so desperate to see a shaking, to see a, a releasing of the rain in my life, in your life. Oh, our region needs it, amen. This picture you've seen up here, this is on the way out to our place. It's not something off the internet. And this is actually what it looked like. My daughter and I, two years ago, there was a drought, if you remember, and we were driving along. She goes, look, Mum, look at that. And she grabbed her phone. She wound down the window and she hung out the side. Photo cred to her. And I said to her, one day we'll use that. But I believe this is what it's like. In Hawke's Bay at the moment, there's a spiritual drought. There's a drought here in some people's lives. And on the outside, you look like you've got it all together. But on the inside in your soul, it's dry. And there's a drought and there's a famine going on this morning. My message is run. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Come on, I need you to work with me this morning. Jesus, if you want to shift in your life, give him glory this morning. He loves to dwell where he's made welcome. So Holy Spirit, we just say, you're so welcome. You're welcome, Holy Spirit, in this house. 
in our lives. To every person watching online, you're welcome. He wants to bring dead things to life this morning. If you're dead on the inside, He's gonna, he's gonna revive you with resurrection power. Did you know this? That has been proven by secular scientists, not even Christian ones, that when we worship together as one, that our hearts start to beat together in time. So today when you were worshiping, when we were worshiping as one, our hearts started to catch the same beat. That's unity. The Bible said that there's power in unity and He commands a blessing. I just wanna speak to our young people, just lift your hands, all of you, all of you. If you think you're young, doesn't matter, lift your hands. If that's you this morning, if you're hungry for Him, I believe, I prophesy this morning, increase. We've got young people that have sowed into their relationship with God. And this morning, I decree, increase all over this place. Increase numerically. Increase in the call of God. Increase in the way that you hold your lives today. In Jesus' name, I saw, where's Fekor? Just where you are, brother. Just lift your hands to the Lord. There's a call of God on your life. And today, God is calling you out. God is calling you out to be the man He's called you to be. There's a heart, there's a pastor's heart inside of you for people. And I know that you're quiet in the natural, but God's put this love in you for people. And you've got a, there's a magnetic pull around you and it's God. And people love to be around you because they feel safe. There's a, I know that there's a worship gift because I know it in the natural. But I want to say, I want to prophesy today that God has called you to write songs. And God has called you to orchestrate the flows of heaven. And so today God is calling you out. God is saying it's time to run in what He's called you to do. Amen? Amen. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. My eyes keep leaking. I'm hungry for Him. We're going to look this morning at, um, at 1 Kings 18, and I've been dwelling on this for a few weeks now, and I just can't get it out of my, out of my spirit, out of my mind, out of my heart, out of my soul. And so I'm going to give you a real quick background, but stay hungry while we're, while we're talking. There was a drought for three and a half years in Samaria, and the drought caused a severe famine in the land. And it, it, they were in a desperate place. There was no food. There was no rain. They were desperate. People were dying. Children were dying. There was nothing for their crops. The, everything dried up, including the economy. They were in a desperate place. I said before, maybe that's you today too. Maybe on the inside you're dead. Or maybe on the inside you're going, you know what, I believed and I, I cried out for a promise and I haven't seen the breakthrough yet. It's amazing to see what happens to us when the pressure comes on, when, you know, when famine or a catastrophe happens, it's amazing to see what comes out of us when enough pressure is applied. What comes out is what's truly in our lives, what's truly in our heart. And so Elijah's a prophet and he had commanded the heavens to be shut up at, at the command of the Lord that there'd be no rain and it would not fall in that place because God had commanded him because the king at the time, his name was Ahab, and he turned away from God and he started to worship idols and he caused the whole nation to turn away from God and worship idols. And he slaughtered all of God's prophets. And so God said, it's enough. 
So he shut up the heavens. It became a corrupt and immoral place and they wouldn't repent of their ways. Sounds a little bit like places we know today, amen? Sometimes God's got to get our attention about issues in our lives. He's more committed today to your growth than, than to your comfort. Amen. He's more committed to your growth than to your comfort. He loves you, but He doesn't want to see you stay the same. Today's calling you out of drought. And in chapter 18, it says, God says to Elijah, go up and see King Ahab and I'm going to send the rain. God, see, God made a promise to Elijah and he said he'd send rain. He's faithful to his word. But Elijah had to go before King Ahab, who he believed would kill him and convince the people to turn away from worshiping idols. And there's been time in prayer before he could get the promise of God, the rain. It wasn't really a one, two, three kind of step process. And I'm telling you today, coming out of drought never really is a one, two, three step process. But today I wanna show you there's certain things you can do to position yourself for the rain to fall in your life, amen? So here's the short version. Elijah goes up and he confronts Ahab and there's a massive showdown on Mount Carmel. It's found in 1 Kings 18, I encourage you to read it. And so there's 450 prophets of Baal. Everyone else of God's prophets have been slaughtered except Elijah. And Elijah calls down fire and has a great victory, amen? And he instructs the people to kill all the false prophets. And as soon as he does, there's a shift in the atmosphere. And Elijah says this, Ahab, go and eat and drink because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I, I believe that wasn't a sound in the natural. I believe it was a sound in the spirit. The sound was an indication that something was coming. Something was on the way. I get a sense here today. I get a sense since Apostle Tamarit was here that something is on the way, amen? See, you can feel the vibration of a train if you stand on a train platform before you can see the train, amen? You know it's coming, you just can't see it yet. It's like an earthquake. Often you can heal, hear the rumble or everything goes still and all that the birds will stop singing. They sense it before we feel it, amen? The word sound doesn't really just mean a noise or a racket. It means a proclamation, a decree in the spirit that something is changing and something is shifting, amen? So Elijah de declares it and he says, I can hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I wanna ask you today, what, what sound do you carry? What sound do you carry? What comes out of your mouth? Particularly in a place of drought, when you're struggling, what comes out? What's the confession of your mouth? Is it faith? Is it joy? Is it complaining? Come on, we've all been there. Is it mocking? We get sarcastic. Oh yeah, God, did you really say that? What comes out of you? Our responses are really important. The things that come out of your mouth, do you know that when we stand before God, He loves us, but we'll be accountable for every idle word that we speak. Speak intentional words of faith today. You know what, if you can feel yourself starting to, starting to crumble under unbelief, just shut your mouth and don't say it. You might feel it, 
but don't say it. Don't, there's, there's power in the spoken word. If God could create the whole universe by the spoken word, He spoke and the stars were created. Galaxies we haven't even explored or found yet have been created by Him, by the spoken word. Your words also carry power today. The Bible says that faith is a substance. We can't see it, but we can feel it in the atmosphere. Today, there's faith here in the atmosphere. You can feel it. And it's not about shouting at God or pleading or threatening Him. It's a, it's a resolve based on knowing His nature, knowing that He's really, really, really good, that He's a good, good Father, and that He loves you. He loves you. Faith is learning to leave the outcome of our prayers to Him, the answer, the timing. So if we go to verse 41, and so all the prophets of Baal are dead. And as I said before, Elijah, immediately Elijah um, senses that the atmosphere has shifted and cleared. I asked this question to myself, why, didn't, why did he have to kill them all? It's pretty dramatic. Why didn't they just capture them and put them in prison? I wanna tell you why. Because atmosphere set us up for the blessing and the reign of God. He had to get rid of everything in the atmosphere that didn't exalt God. If he had allowed it to stay, the worship of Baal would have been there just in the background. And then it would have risen again. It's important and our atmospheres are crucial to our breakthrough. And they affect, they affect us whether we recognize it or not. An atmosphere is made up of your beliefs, what you think, what you believe. It's made up of your attitudes. Even though we can't see your attitude, we can feel each other's attitudes, is that right? We can feel when somebody's got a bad attitude. They can look at us and say, no, I'm good. But we know there's something else. You know what I'm saying? The atmosphere is made up of that. The atmosphere is made up of your words and it's made up of your actions. So you can create an atmosphere of faith or you can create an atmosphere of unbelief in your own home. This morning, the reason I purposely have uh, keyboardists up here when I preach. You know why? Because I know I want to sustain an atmosphere of God. Because I know this, an atmosphere that's sustained long enough becomes a climate. And I want a climate always of the presence of God in this place so that when you walk in and you walk in needing your miracle, that sickness has to bow the knee. When you walk in and your marriage is in a mess that no one else knows and you've walked in here and you go, I don't know if I can do it anymore, then that thing drops off your life and divorce is cast out of your life. When you walk in and there's depression in your life and you just, you don't know how to go on, that when you come in this place, that spirit, that ugly spirit of depression or addiction or whatever it is would drop off your life and you'd have hope again. Amen? And you know what? We need it to become a climate around our lives and our homes so that it's not just in the church, but everywhere you live, there's a climate of worship. There's a climate of the presence of God. So it starts to affect our neighborhoods, amen. I wanna to prophesy today, I believe that there is a move starting to happen in Flaxmere. There is a move of God. There is God is moving on families in Flaxmere today. I believe it, I prophesy life. Into that community, I prophesy revival into that community. What's the atmosphere around your life? Is it faith? You know, 
An atmosphere of unbelief even shut down Jesus Christ. The Bible says that He couldn't do miracles. He could hardly do miracles in His own town. Their unbelief shut Him down, shut down the gift. Today, I want you to be really careful, really purposeful in your homes. Today, if you're here and you've got an unbelieving spouse or partner in your home, that can be really difficult. But you know what? Put worship music on. Let the prevailing atmosphere be filled with the presence of God. You and I, when we speak life in our homes, our actions, the way we speak, the way we do things, will either draw the presence of God or repel the presence of God. Amen. Our assignment is to carry an atmosphere of God. So my question is just like Elijah, are there things you need to get rid of in your life to shift the atmosphere for breakthrough? We need a shift over Hawke's Bay. We need it over New Zealand. What will it take us to shift? You know, many of us, and if you were here when Apostle Tamarit was here, was a stunning, stunning display of God where no one could question the power and the authenticity of the closeness of God. Amen? Who agrees? Amen. And so uh, a prophet of God came all the way from Ethiopia on a word from God to come here to a small city. Next year, he's having a crusade and there'll be two million people there. But he chose to come to a small city and you think, God, what? That doesn't make sense. But on the word of God that there would, he was, he was prophesied over by another prophet that there would be an awakening in New Zealand and it would start here. But I wanna ask you this, and this is where the rubber hits the road, and this is something Pastor Dave talked to the staff and to the interns about, is we saw all of this, and what has shifted in your life since then? What has shifted in my life since then? And if it has, that's amazing. But if you've just gone back to status quo, then we've got to take a really good look at ourselves. Because, you know, we want this. We want the revival. But if we won't shift, then what? Then what? The Bible says this, if you won't cry out, well, the rocks will cry out in your place. So what will it take, church, Bay City? What will it take for you and I to shift? We have to shift first and then our community will shift, amen? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. We think we're waiting for God, but I'm telling you, He's waiting for us. He's waiting for us. Today, there's a drought gonna break in your life. And the first key I wanna give you this morning is to pray. You know what Elijah did? He says to King Ahab, you go and eat, I'm gonna pray. And you know what he did? He positioned himself very purposefully, put his face to the ground, was on his face and he cried out, don't wait for God to do something for you. You do something. The first thing Elijah did was he positioned himself. He got on his knees and he connected to the one who gives life, the one who releases the rain. He positioned himself in prayer. He didn't look at what anyone else was doing. How do you position yourself when there's a drought in your life? It really matters. Who you position yourself with when you're in a drought really, really matters. Have a really good look, a soul search. When you're struggling, who do you relate to? We need to be really smart here. We need to be really wise. Often what happens is when we draw back, when we discourage, 
we get around other discouraged people, other offended people, other, other people that are disgruntled so that we can share our little thing. And then we wonder why God is not moving. But I learned to shut this and pray and, and cry out that get people around you that are further on in their faith, that will stand with you. You know what? We've got an amazing prayer team here. I just want to honor Jenny Galbraith and the team. We've got an amazing prayer team. If you're online today, you can send in a prayer request. But today we've got a team that pray and they see answers. Who you position yourself with is really, really important. He agreed with the promises of God. Come into agreement with God's word. He came into agreement for the rain. He did what God said. He said, he said, go before the king and say, the rain's coming. Get rid of the Baals. Get rid of the prophets of Baal. And he says, I hear the sound of the abundance rain. And then he positioned himself. He didn't just stop. I think for some of us, we hear the word of the Lord and we just wait. Now he, he prayed, connect to God. Every miracle, every breakthrough is preceded by someone's prayer. Their heart cry and their connection to God. Someone today, you gotta to get desperate enough that you would dare to believe God even where you've seen no breakthrough before. You know, in, um, I've been looking at um, some video clips. I'd encourage you to go on YouTube, the transformation videos. And it talks about whole cities and whole towns that were riddled with sin where um, just um, drug lords ruled and, and many, many people were, uh, had addictions of alcohol. And there, were, there was one particular place and uh, the man prayed and he prayed and he prayed. I think this is in Colombia, I think. And uh, they had an all night prayer meeting. He got shot, he was killed, he was martyred. But because of that, because his life was sacrificed, something rose up in the people and they stood together and as they prayed, there was a 24 hour prayer meeting and they filled a stadium. So instead of it keeping them down, they stood up. And do you know, about nine or 10 days later, the first drug lord came down. That place has been completely transformed. There's other places in the world where it's happening, where people are daring to pray. They're saying, you know what? We're gonna position ourselves in prayer. We're gonna position ourselves and we're gonna believe for the breakthrough to happen. We're gonna believe for it in Camberley. We're gonna believe for it in Hastings. We're gonna believe for it in Rodeca. We're gonna believe for it today. In Flaxmere, we're going to believe in Havelock. We're going to believe today in Whakatū. We're going to stand with the other churches in Napier, in CHB, everywhere. We're going to believe for the abundance of rain. But you and I have to do something. We have to connect to the one who brings the rain. It's not about shouting at Him either. It's about this. It's about connecting with Him, with Jesus decreeing that He's Lord over our city. And there's times where we pray hard and fervently. There's times where we worship Him and we decree that He is the King of all kings. And we believe until the shift comes. And that's what Elijah did. He agreed with the promises of God. Today, do you need to reposition yourself for breakthrough? Maybe if you're in a drought or you're believing for a breakthrough, maybe you've got to reposition today. Change your position there are times when all I've had is the Word of God, but I've chosen to judge Him faithful anyway. My head didn't, it didn't match up with what I saw, didn't match up with what I could see, but I judged Him faithful anyway. 
The rain meant everything to somebody that's in drought. It means life, it means recovery, it means restoration. I bet in Samaria or even wherever there is a famine in any land, it means that the rivers will run again and then fish will flow and then the crops will grow and then economic restoration comes too. There'll be joy where there's been sorrow and there'll be laughter where there's been weeping and there becomes increase again. That's what the rain does. If you need a breakthrough and answer to prayer today, position yourself for the rain. And in verse 43, Elijah stays in the prayer position and this is what he does. He sends his servant up higher than him on Mount Carmel. You stand up on Mount Carmel, not that I've been there, but I wanna go there. Um, it's very close to the sea and you can look out towards the sea. And he says, go up and have a look. And the servant comes down and he goes, there's nothing. And he goes, go up again. And I know you may know the story. He comes down, he says, there's nothing. He goes, go and look again. And there's nothing. I wanna ask you today, what you do in the nothing means everything. Amen? You gotta keep looking. When you've been believing for a breakthrough, a promise, you have to be able to stay the course when there's nothing. Have you, I don't know about you, but I've experienced nothings. I've experienced believing, having all the faith in the world and seen evidence of nothing. But I know that God is moving today and He's moving in those spaces. And I wanna ask you today, is it really nothing or is God doing something underneath where we can't see, amen? Is God doing something to change the atmosphere? Keep positioned in prayer this morning. The enemy wants to discourage you. He wants us to be discouraged in our nothing times and he wants to taunt you. Did God really say that? Look, there's nothing, there's nothing. David said in Psalm 27, he said this, he said, I would have lost hope if I hadn't believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what, that's about today. That's about today. It's not just about then. That I would see the goodness of the Lord today in my day in the land of the living. And then he says this, he says, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. Wait, and He will strengthen your heart. He keeps saying wait. Wait is not passive. It's not lying down waiting for God to do something. Waiting is an expectant, it's an action. It's staying in a place of prayer, amen? Don't settle or be fooled by your nothing. Six times the servant went up and there was nothing. How many times will you persist? How many times will you persist in your marriage? How many times will you persist with a young person? Maybe your son or your daughter, how many times? How many times when you've got that habitual sin issue in your life, will you persist and say, God, I'm believing. How many times will you persist when the doctors have said there's no go? How many times? What would have happened if he stopped at the sixth time? What would have happened? You know what I love about God is everything matters. Seven means the completion and the perfection of God. You know, Naaman is another guy in the Bible when he, was, he, he had leprosy all over him. And he went to the prophet and the prophet said, go and dip in the, in the river seven times. And he was like, I ain't doing that. But you know what, he had to do it. You know what, on the seventh time, completely healed. What about Jericho? We know that story, right? What say they waited and they only did six times? 
Sometimes we've just got to be obedient and we've just got to have that grit of faith and determination that says, I'm going round again. I'm going round again. Amen. The seventh time, there's something about the perfection and the completion of God. Will you keep praying through your nothing? Sarah in the Bible, she judged God faithful. I spoke about it last week. Over 90 years old, and she judged God faithful in her nothing. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, an outcast. 12 years in her nothing. And then one touch, one word from Jesus Christ and everything changes. That's for you today, amen? You gotta keep looking. You gotta keep looking a long way off. You gotta keep looking, you know, um, the prodigal son. You may not know the story, but this is a parable. And Jesus is explaining this to them, his father's nature, that God doesn't mind your mess ups. The prodigal son, he had a great family, but he went out and he messed up. And he took, he took his, his inheritance and he used it, blew it all. But it says the father stood a long way off. He didn't wait in his home, I bet. He was up there watching and waiting, waiting, waiting for his son to come back. He didn't wanna say you've messed up. God wants you to know that you don't have to have your life together. You don't have to have your life all together to come into his presence. He loves you. The Bible says that the father saw the son from a long way off. It was a long way off and he ran to him. It's a picture of God, our father and us. He loves you. He loves you in your mess. You don't have to get rid of your mess before you come into church. Sometimes we think we've got to get our lives together. No, I'm here because I need a Savior. Amen. Don't stop at your nothing. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, there was three days that appeared to be nothing. They were the three most powerful days. But it appeared to be nothing. And then the greatest power, resurrection power came. And Jesus Christ defeated every principality and power. And He rose again. Amen. Your nothing today is crucial. How you, how you act in it, how you move in it, how you speak in your nothing positions you. The second key today is in your nothing, build habits with God. They're the most challenging times in our lives. Build habits of staying connected to Him by faith. Sometimes it's just by faith. I don't feel nothing, I don't see nothing, but by faith, I choose to worship you. I stay in connection to you. Amen. Third key, I'm going to race through this. The third key is this is build memorial stones. This is something I do in my life. I remember when we were finishing up in Pakistan and we knew we were coming home. And we were coming home and we didn't quite know what we'd do for a job. And I remember standing at the sink washing dishes. And I remember standing there and I said to God, you know what? What would be really great is if I could have a job that was in my kids' school hours. And so I didn't have to try and organize care. And, and I gave God a whole lot of specifics and I just threw it out to Him. To you, it might seem insignificant, but it was something I needed. I needed to line things up. We came back at the end of the year and there was a couple of months, you know, there's the summer. And then our kids went to school and there was nothing. But on the first day of school, I remember being down at the supermarket it was about 9.30, I just dropped the kids off and there was this phone call from the school and I thought, heck, is someone sick already? I don't know, you mums, you know what it's like, you get a phone call from the school. And the principal wanted to see me and I went in there and he says, I've got a job for you. 
He says, would you like it? I hear you've had some, something to do with education. Um, we're looking for somebody to do this. It was exactly what I needed. And you know what I do? To you, it might be a little breakthrough, but I took that and I've made it a memorial stone, not just a mental thing. I've built the memory of the feelings deep in my spirit. That's where I've built them. So that every time now I face a giant or a nothing, I go, I remember God, you can do that. You've already done it for me before. I would have lost hope if I hadn't believed that I had seen the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You know what? You've got to build memorial stones. In the Old Testament, they built memorial stones every time that God did something great. Find them tonight. Go through your life. I've got so many of them. And I use them and I, to thank God when I'm in my nothing space, when there's no evidence. And I say, I judge you faithful because I know your nature. Amen. In verse 44, really quickly, it says this. The servant comes down the seventh time and you know what he's gonna say. And he says, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. It's not very big, but it's rising up out of the sea. You know what? Elijah had stayed there until there was evidence. Amen? Amen? It was the promise and it was the Word of God. He sent the Word and He healed them and He delivered them out of their destructions. That's found in Psalm 107. I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. You know what? Sometimes we're waiting for something really big. We're waiting for the really... I was talking with um, Paku and Tavani this morning and we're just talking about what God's doing in, in Flaxmere. And I said, you know, sometimes we look and we see a little bit of the evidence of God and we go, oh, I'll just wait until it gets bigger. But I'm telling you today that God, all that Elijah needed was that tiny bit of evidence. That's all he needed was the cloud, the size of a man's hand. He says, that's good enough for me. And he got up. Today, some of us, we need to get up. We need to get up. Today, I wonder how much, I wonder what's in your hand. I wonder what God's already moving on. And if we worked with that, if each one of us worked with that, I wonder what would happen. I believe that God is moving in Flaxmere. And I wonder if we took what He's doing and didn't wait for something bigger, that I wonder if we took the thing that was the size of a man's hand and we worked with that. And we started to see the increase, amen. You know what, the lady, the, the widow with the oil, the oil never ran out until her jars ran out. Today, you and I, what, you and I are called. No matter what you're going through, not only that, not only that, but He's called you today. Your assignment, my assignment is to bring heaven to earth with the people around us. What is in your hand this morning? Don't brush off the small. Abundance never starts big. It starts little. You know the faith, it says in the Bible that all we need is the faith of a mustard seed and we can shift a mountain. Do you know how big a mustard seed is? It's one to two millimeters. It's hardly something you can see. And that's what he said, that he said, that's all you need. That's all I need. All I need. The Bible says that God supernaturally strengthened Elijah as he got up. As he stood as he got in position, the Bible says that, that God supernaturally empowered him. He said, run, I hear the sound of the rain. You know what? He hitched up his dress and the Bible says that he outran Ahab's chariot for 17 miles. I don't think he was a marathon runner. 
when you get up on your feet, when you do something to shift the nothing, when you stay connected to the one who gives life, when you stay in that place knowing that he's good, knowing that you stay in a position, you watch what comes out of your mouth, that we build memorial stones in our lives and we get up when we see the evidence and we work with what's in our hands. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I believe that God is gonna start to move incredibly. What makes a man in a dress run and outrun a chariot that I worked out probably rides at about 65 kilometers per hour? Holy Spirit, that's the presence and the power of God that's here today for you. The rain is God's power visiting your life in whatever area or areas are in drought or in lack or broken or empty. Your marriage, your finances, your dreams, there's people here today with, with lost dreams and lost hopes. Your family. The rain is God taking every plan and every plot and every scheme and every weapon that the devil has launched at you and turning it around for his good. The simplest definition of the rain is answered prayer. And I can't tell you when your answer is gonna come, but I can tell you today how to position yourself for it. Amen? I'd love us to stand to our feet this morning. Faith triggers the acts of God in your life. Miracles are no accident. They are a deliberate response of God to the desperate faith of men and women. So let me ask you this, just close your eyes where you are. Let me ask you this. Do you and I, do we praise Him because the rain has come? Do we praise Him because it's now raining? Or do we praise God because He said the rain would come and we trust His timing for it? And no matter how long there is a nothing, we know that our lives are in His hands. Amen? The whole issue is an issue of faith. We need to be able to praise Him when it's not raining, when there's nothing. Amen? If you're here this morning, what are you believing for? For your own life, for your family, for our city and for our region, what are we believing for? In 2 Chronicles, it says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I, the God of heaven, will hear them and I will pour out and I will heal their land. Today, I want this land to be healed. We prophesy that scripture over Hawke's Bay. this morning, but uh, there's something really important I gotta do. If you're here this morning and you're not connected to Jesus Christ, today, if you've never made a decision to follow Him, you don't know Him, today is the best decision I ever made, was when I came to know Jesus Christ. He died on a cross for you 2,000 years ago. And He wants to walk with you. He wants you to know Him. If that's you this morning, you say, you know what, I want that. I want that, I want peace in my life. If that's you this morning, why don't you lift your hand? 
in this place. If you want Jesus Christ, come on up the front. If that's you this morning, come on up. Come on up, come on. Run! Come on, church. Is there anyone else this morning? Is there anyone else? And you say, I, I need Jesus. We're going to pray for our sister in a minute. But I just want to give one more call this morning. If you know in your heart you're disconnected from Him, maybe you pray, rah, 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 you know, Pentecostals, we get good at that and having no heart in it, just a whole lot of noise. And I love praying strong. I've got no problem with that. But today, if you know you're disconnected, come on out. Come on out today. Come on out and rededicate your life afresh. There's a young woman up here that can sense that there's other people. She's turning around to see who else is coming. If that's you this morning, why don't you come? Why don't you come this morning? Is there anyone else that will come this morning? Are we going to pray? This is City. We're so glad that you're here today. Come on, reach your hands out. This is the best decision that you can make. I said hi to you in the foyer, didn't I? I'm so glad that you're here this morning. God knows who you are. And so we're gonna reach out our hands and we're, we're all gonna pray, okay? And we're gonna pray a simple prayer and I'm gonna lead you and I'd love you to follow me, okay? He's gonna pray for you. And here's what we're gonna pray. We're gonna ask that God would forgive our sins, all the things we've done wrong. And we're gonna declare that Jesus died on the cross for us, okay? Come on, church, we're gonna pray together. Thank you, Jesus. I come to you today in Jesus' name. I thank you that you love me, that you died on the cross for me. I ask you today to forgive me for everything I've done wrong. And I ask you today to set me free. Today, I confess you, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and as my Savior. Walk with me, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Holy Spirit, you're here this morning. You go, you know what? This message has spoken to me. Today I need to, whatever it is, maybe you're believing for a miracle, a breakthrough, you're in a drought on the inside. Maybe this morning there's a family member you're believing for or your finance, whatever it is. Or maybe this morning you need to reposition yourself. Maybe this morning you've got to reposition and change some things. Maybe this morning you need to build memorial stones. Or you need to just get up and you're nothing and decree that he's faithful anyway. Maybe this morning you just need to connect again with the one that gives life, amen. Why don't you come? We're going to sing this song. And as we sing, I'd love you to come. Just come out of your seat. We're going to open up the altar this morning. But let hunger, let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven. Let
on, everybody in the, in the congregation, we're going to pray. Come on, we're going to pray. This morning, there's people up here that need the reign of God. I'd love our ministry team to come. Why don't you come, ministry team? We'd love you to come and pray this morning. But there's people up the front that need the reign of God. So this morning, why don't you pray? We're going to be, all of us, we're going to be part of the prayer team this morning. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray for breakthrough this morning. Come to our visitor lounge. 